Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back. Buckeye Talk, Doug Lindry, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. Day two of the NFL draft is over. We're approaching midnight on Friday night. Two more Buckeyes off the board. Nicholas Petit Frere, number 69 to the Tennessee Titans. Jeremy Rockert, number 101 to the hometown New York Jets. And by the time you're listening to this, you may have seen photos of a very young, very cute Jeremy Ruckert in a Jets jersey. And Nathan, is it not the kind of stuff that just, it just warms your heart, right? Jeremy Ruckert, he's a Long Island kid. We had talked about in our predictions, Jets, Giants, could it happen? And I think he's a Jets guy, right? Didn't yeah. you say that? He's a Jets guy. And well, he's I a did. Jet. Yeah. yeah, I don't have to say it. The picture shows it. It's, he's holding yeah. the Jets helmet yeah. there <laughs> on his shoulder with the face painted. And I had just, just as you started recording, just as we started recording, I had opened up that photo because Kevin Wilson had retweeted the Ohio State offensive coordinator. Uh, man, like just what a dream moment. You know what I mean? Like, you grow up rooting for a team and you naturally imagine yourself in the NFL as you're a kid growing up playing for that team. Like you're not going to be a Jets fan and imagine yourself playing for the Seahawks like or right. the, you know, the, the Cardinals. Like what well, doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, I'm sure Jeremy Rucker was happy to get drafted by anybody, but um, I imagine him and Bill and everybody in that family is pretty ecstatic tonight. The Jets might be building something here. And like, oh, yeah, he's going with Garrett Wilson and Garrett Wilson tweeted, rock. And it's like, you're not just, it's not just Jeremy Ruckert going to his hometown team. It's like Jeremy Ruckert maybe being the start of the renewal of his hometown team. Yeah, I think I saw a tweet that said his house is like 54 miles from um, the stadium there. I don't okay. remember who tweeted it, but more importantly, the Jets are having a really good draft. <laughs> like, I mean, they went and got their guy, their quarterback last year, and now they're giving him weapons. And the funny thing is, Jeremy Ruckert has 54 career catches, and the excuses for why went on Thursday night. Um, oh, right. I don't know. Could he have that next year? You know, that I don't actually be hot for first year, but someday. I don't I mean, know. I don't actually know what the Jets tight end situation is. I have not looked that it's up bad. yet, but yeah, it's bad. But the idea that, as you said, they drafted Zach Wilson, number two overall last year at quarterback, at quarterback, and then they added Garrett Wilson at receiver. They added Brees Hall 
who was the first running back off the board mm-hmm. early in the second round. And then they added Jeremy Ruckert at tight end. They're giving this young quarterback weapons and two of the three of them are Ohio state guys. Ruckert is not going there to sit behind like some veteran tight end. This is, we'll talk a little bit about, we made our predictions. It's always fun. Like who was closest. Nathan Baird was very hot in his draft picks. This is a fit for him, I think, with opportunity on the roster, and it was right in the range. He was the fourth tight end taken, and it kind of went as you thought. Trey McBride was sort of the consensus number one tight end on everybody's board. He went in the 50s. Then Jelani Woods, who had an incredible testing numbers, super athletic, 6'7". He went, and then Greg Dulcich, this UCLA guy, who people think is a great pass catcher. And once Dulcich went, it was like, okay, it's Ruckert time. This feels like we're in the Ruckert zone now. And then he, I thought he went, Nathan, where he should have. He, yeah. he, I thought for him to go in the third round, I think is a good result for him. And I do think probably with this tight end class and with the kind of player he is, the versatile tight end he is, I think this is what he deserved. Yeah, we all picked him in the third round. Steven was the closest. I think he had 91st. He ended up going 101st. You and I were a little bit earlier than that. But it's it's more about that being that fourth tight end off the board. And when that's about where we thought he probably would be. I wonder if he had been able to work out at, at the pro uh, at the scouting combine and mm-hmm. pro day, if that might have made a difference for him. But maybe not. Maybe it doesn't change a lot of things. I just saw a comment from the, the Jets GM, I think it was, saying that, you know, they've checked into that. They think he'll be OK to start the year. And I, that's all they honestly pretty care about is what he can go by the way the jets did sign um cj ozuma who oh that's right a the starting tight end for the Bengals the last few years so a guy who's getting up close to 30 but a a solid guy i mean you know 49 catches last year 493 yards five touchdowns so record doesn't have to come in right away and be the only guy at tight end for the jets but i think that's also a good situation to maybe come into you you know it's it's less of a less of a responsibility that's heaped on your shoulders right away. Okay. Then I'll take my question back. Cause that's what it was based on the idea that they're going to need him to come in and be the guy right away. And an NFL tight end having 50 catches isn't crazy, but if they're, if he's their second tight end in line, that's, I mean, it's an easier transition to the NFL, but still most offenses in the NFL are going to use two tight ends pretty religiously. So, yeah. And that guy, I think was, he had a good little run in the, in the early in the playoffs, I think. And then I think it got mm-hmm. hurt later in the playoffs, but it's not like, he's not like an all pro tight end necessarily. It's no. not like he, it's not like Rucker's so blocked. That's like, Oh, well, Rucker's never going to get in the field. A good opportunity. It's one of those things, you know, the world works in mysterious ways. Obviously he was disappointed to not be able to work out at the combine and at pro day. But if the result is he goes 20 picks later than he maybe would have gone, but it lands him with his, the team he grew up rooting for. It's like sometimes life just works out. So this seems like a really good fit for Jeremy Ruckert and Nathan. Again, you were referencing sort of some of the picks that we made when we did this a week ago and made our predictions. Again, uh, Steven was the closest here. 91. He goes at one one as you said, Nathan had him at 81. I had him at 79, but these were the four guys, Steven. We all had obviously Wilson and Olave in the first round. And we all had Nicholas Petit Frere and Jeremy Ruckert in the third round, which we were right on. And we did not have anybody else. So I do think, Stephen, day two went kind of as we expected it would. No second rounders, 
and Petit Frere and Ruckert in round three. It's also, I mean, mirroring what this team was, right? The offensive guys so far have kind of dominated today um, at the positions where that were stretched for Ohio State as far as, you know, guys who were draft eligible. And we're still kind of holding out for when that first defensive player is going to come. Like, I mean, obviously it's going to be day three, but should we expect it in round four or will we have to wait to round five to see a defensive player take it? Yeah, I mean, the, the the next guy, you know, now it's a race in in day three. Is it Thayer Munford or at offensive line or Tyreek Smith at defensive end, who's mm-hmm. the first guy off the board? Uh, I, I think it could be either of them. We all had Tyreek Smith going a little ahead of Thayer Munford, but those are the next guys. But, Nathan, I mean, it, it, again, it goes back to, oh, the Ohio State defense last year. Well, there's nobody drafted the first three rounds, which is – unusual for them, but also not unexpected. Just the way things fail. Zach Harrison stays in school. A couple other things like that happen. Seven banks has a weird year and transfers to LSU instead of being in this draft. But it is, it does tell a story a little bit backwards of yes, this is reflective of the season Ohio state had. No, it absolutely is. And now the question is how much is that corrected for 2022 and um, I, 2023 is obviously still the big draft, probably even from a defensive standpoint. That's when you'd first be talking about JT Tuimiloau, Jack Sawyer, uh, Denzel Burke, um, maybe some guys who were like second and third year guys are still around for that draft in, in 2024. So that's the year to, to think about that. But was this just a pause and now Ohio State can get – if Ohio State has a better defensive draft in 2023 – if it gets back to where it's, it's got guys challenging for the first round and, and the first two days, much better chance that they're a playoff team again. All right. Again, so Jeremy Ruckert, fourth tight end off the board, a, a good spot for him right in the range. We thought he should go. Let's take a quick break here on this wrap up of day two of the draft on Buckeye talk. We'll come back and talk about Nicholas Petit Frere going before Ruckert to the Tennessee Titans next on Buckeye talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We had spent some time on Nicholas Petit Frere on our pre-draft podcast, talking a little bit about the difference of a second rounder and a third rounder. And if you are having Nicholas Petit Frere go into a spot where it's like, all right, well, you better be good because you have to protect the franchise quarterback and we're trying to make the playoffs like he's a good player. Would that be the best thing? He winds up, he, he goes early in the third round. He is the one, two, three, four, five. There were five tackles that went in the first round. There was one tackle that went in the second round. So Nicholas petit Frere is the seventh tackle overall off the board as the fifth pick of the third round. Again, Nathan, just like where it landed, in the range that we thought you were only two spots off. You said he'd go number 71. He went number 69. That part of it feels again, appropriate. Yeah. We were all pretty much in that range, but yeah. And I like the fit for him just because it's Mike Vrabel. It's somebody who I think would maybe look at some of the, you know, whatever criticisms you would have of Nicholas Petit Frere. And I think they were both, positives and negatives of what he did uh, both this season and, and at the combine, but who has more of an ear of Ohio state's coaching staff right now than Mike Vrabel, as far as like NFL coaches, he's going to get, I think a pretty good scouting report on NPF. 
And it's also a place where, as you said, he does not have to come in right away and be a starting tackle. He may not have to be a starting tackle at all right away, actually. But even if he did, he's not going to have to do it for a pass-heavy, pass-first offense that is trying Mm. to protect a young franchise quarterback. He's coming in with, not only is it Ryan Tannehill back there, and and I'm sure they want to protect him, obviously, but it's it's Derrick Henry's offense. It's the Derrick Henry offense. Did you guys see this quote? That yes. they asked. Yes. It's yeah. So this, he's just can, as giddy tonight as he was I, at the combine. I, I can hear him saying it in my yes. head right now. I can literally hear Nicholas Batiste Ferrer's voice exactly like this saying this quote. I don't, I'm not at all trying to be like, I don't want to like talk down. He's almost cute. Like, is it not refreshing that this guy was a five star recruit? He was a high NFL draft pick. He was an All-American at Ohio State. He was a two-year starter, and he is still so excited about life. It's a wonderful thing. I wrote about it at the Combine because it stood out to me so much. The way he embraced things, this quote from Tennessee writers on blocking for Derrick Henry. Oh, my God, are you kidding me? It's such a blessing. I hope I get a chance to meet him and me and him become best friends. Steven, they're going to meet. Yeah, like, what do you mean get a chance? They're going to meet. (laughs) Yeah, and I think you guys are going to be best friends because he's a running back and you're an offensive lineman. So what do you mean you hope? He's such a gentle giant. He's 6'5", 3'16". He is a gentle giant, and you just love it. But then from a football standpoint, it might just be a perfect fit. He was really good as a run blocker in 2020 yep. as a right tackle. And that's what he's going to be for them because Taylor Lewan is one of the best left tackles in the business. And that part of it, that, that uh, that's the point that both you guys have made that he's a, he's best at run blocking the questions, right? Okay. Are, do you, are you going to hold up against great edge rushers? Well, that, that's a, that's a common question for a young tackle in the yeah. NFL, but this team, this is the most like run heavy team in the NFL. That they are going to, and then it is interesting. And then it's just like, you know, it's only four year contracts anymore. It doesn't mean he's going to spend his whole career in Tennessee, but they also drafted Malik Willis and that could get fun like in a year or two. Right. Uh But it's going to be Ryan Tannehill for now. And they're going to run this style. And I think Nathan, that's the most important part of this that almost to me. So 69 is again, right around where we all projected it. You said 71 to the Bears. Steven said 79 to the Chargers. I said 80 to the Texans. So we're all in the right range. But Nathan, I think if you are thinking about him as a guy really whose job is primarily run blocking, I, th- I think he might be better than the 69th player in the draft. I think you add to his value when you put him in this kind of system. Yeah, now listen, it's the NFL. Like You're going to face an NFL edge rusher regardless at no matter which tackle spot you're playing and he's going to have to improve in that part of his game he just has to he, he has to be more consistent with it but i think that's the important way to look at it too this i know that he had trouble against michigan i know he had trouble against what it was a penn state and nebraska games i think in those three of those games combined he had like 18 of his 24 pressures allowed or whatever for the season but you can also look at the the purdue game he helped shut down george Karloftis, who was a first round edge rusher you you know Boye Mafe didn't do that much when they played Minnesota that's a second round edge rusher go back to last year with uh, Jason Owe and and uh, Shaka Tony from Penn State getting shut down and him and and Thayer Munford I mean he had obviously it wasn't just him alone in any of these circumstances but he's had successes against 
big time edge rushers too. And that's the thing I keep coming back to that. I think it's legitimate to criticize him when it didn't happen against these other NFL edge rushers, when you're playing the best of the best, that's what you're evaluated against as you're as an NFL prospect. But I think some of what he was doing against other NFL prospects did get overlooked, maybe even sometimes by us. Ohio state after these first, after day two, Ohio State went up against the number two pick, the number 27 pick, the number 30 pick, the number 38 pick, the number 40 pick, the number 45 pick, and the number 48 pick. And they would have gone up against number five pick, but Kayvon Thibodeau didn't play. Brisker is the only one on that list that Nicholas Petit Frere wouldn't have seen some healthy action against. And then obviously Devin Lloyd as well, because he opted out of the the Rose Bowl. So everybody else, he got healthy looks against. And Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, and really Aiden Hutchinson more than David Ajabo, was the only one who did whatever he wanted. Because David Ajabo got his work late after Aiden Hutchinson had a field day. Everybody else was kind of didn't really make an impact against Ohio State. I I think Epic. Katie was pretty good against Ohio State, but also at that time, I don't think we knew how good he was. Yes. And it was like, oh, because like, but they shut Karloftis down. And boy, Mafe didn't do that much, you know, but like, it's like, oh, I don't love Katie. He's practically a first rounder. And you just read all that, Stephen. It's all those guys. Mm-hmm. This is where, of all the things that the Big Ten does not have, this is something they had. And it just so happened that it was like, oh, cool. Like, Nicholas Petit is like, well, I guess this is good. I'm going to get challenged every week, but there are thing other positions in the big 10 where it's like well there's nobody that that can hang with us it's like you hear all the ohio state guys like, oh practice is the toughest thing right are there corners garrett wilson and chris olave are there corners in the big 10 there's not like big 10 corners flying off yeah. the board in the first three rounds chris olave and garrett wilson's like no this is actually kind of easy and nicholas petit frere is like could i block another top 40 pick this week thanks everybody so that is a reality and i'm just looking there's they lost uh two offensive linemen since the end of last season to free agency, the Titans did, including their right tackle. They took a guy in the second round last year named Dylan Raddance, who mm. was a backup last year by PFF, played 124 total snaps. They are anticipating him maybe sliding into a starting job, but they don't know if he's a guard or a tackle. And he might be more of a guard. So there is an opening here. Last year's right tackle in Tennessee is gone. And the possible competition might be more of a guard. So again, but maybe that guy is the tackle and, and Petit Frere has to wait a year because Nathan, we did see the first time Nicholas Petit Frere competed for a job at Ohio state. He didn't win it. Brandon Bowen won it. And it was a little bit like, Oh, the five-star didn't win the job in year two. And it was like, it's okay. He's going to have the starting job in year three and year four and be quite good at it. So it, I, I, again, I think we, don't, you know, we're not trying to kiss butt on every Ohio State guy. Oh, they went to the perfect no. spot, but there's opportunity. But I don't. It's not going to wreck the Titan season like if he's not the Week One starter. Right, and I think a worst case scenario. Now you've given yourself, if you're the Titans, some versatility on the line because while we agree that Petit Frere's best fit is right tackle, if you had to put him at left tackle for a series or for a half because somebody got banged up because uh, Luan gets banged up, like he's done it before. He can, you know, get in there and 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 do at least a passable job. And for any, like if they're Titan fans swinging by to check out this podcast, the reminder that as a sophomore, he was still growing into his body. He was still very undersized. He was, even though he was such a, a highly ranked 
prospect coming out of high school. He came out of high school at like 272. You got to put on 40 pounds, 45 pounds to get to where he is now, you know, being one of the better tackles in the Big Ten. So it's it's been a progression for him, um, and it could still be a progression that that is trending up if he's in the right system and that he gets you know developed the right way. And that's the key. We asked him at Pro Day, have teams like brought up the fact that it took you so long to put on weight? They're like, nope. It hasn't even been a problem. I'm 316 now, and that's all that really matters. So I'm just reading um, Joe Rexroad, who covered the Big Ten for a long time as a Michigan State Michigan writer State. and now uh, okay. is, is in Nashville, went to the paper there, and now is at the Athletic there. Basically, he's, he's saying the best-case scenario is that Petit Ferrer comes in and challenges for the starting job at right tackle, even though Radins has vastly improved. That way, the Titans have a viable swing tackle as well. The worst case scenario is that the Titans don't have a viable starting tackle in 2022 that like nobody hits. And by the way, the other guy who is also in the mix there, who I guess must have just signed there as a free agent, is former Buckeye Jamarco Jones, who is now a new Tennessee Titan and has been in the league uh, for several years. He's been in Seattle, I'm pretty sure. So, um, you know, and I do think some of these connections, there are just teams that for whatever reason fall taking guys from certain programs, but Mike Vrabel loves Ohio state, man. So Steven, that doesn't mean like he's going to hand out jobs to Ohio state guys, but like I could just, I can see Mike, Mike Vrabel is tough. Mike Vrabel does not put up with a lot of stuff, but I can just see Nicholas Petit Frere being like, you went to Ohio state. I went to Ohio state. We're Ohio state brothers. And like giving Mike Vrabel a hug and Mike Vrabel being like, what is happening here? But you know what? When Nicholas Petit fur hugs you, you don't fight the hug, Steven. You take the hug. It's a Buckeye hug. So what if this is, this is, it is, it's like the grumpy old guy. And it's like, I'm your new friend. It's like up. You guys have seen up, right? There's the grumpy old guy and there's the boy scout and Nicholas Petit Frere. Maybe they could dress like that for Halloween. <laughs> Mike Vrabel will have those big black rim glasses on and Nicholas Petit Frere will be dressed as a Boy Scout and he brings out the softer side oh. of Mike Vrabel. But Mike Vrabel oh. loves Buckeyes, man, because Mike Vrabel is a Buckeye and Jamarco Jones has spent the last three years uh, playing for the Seattle Seahawks basically as a starter. So he's also in the mix there. And you know what? You know who Jamarco Jones will like taking under his wing? Nicholas Petit Frere. It's just working out for everybody. Nicholas Petit Frere, Steven, he's going to have so many new friends. <laughs> yeah, Mike Frabel, he didn't hold, hold words back. It doesn't matter if the cameras are rolling or not. Um, I just want to be in the room. I just want to be in the room the first time he sits down with Mike Frabel at the end of the training camp. I just want to be in the room. I just want to see the smile on Nicholas Petit Frere's face. And I want to see Mike Frabel tell him to wipe that smile off his face. <laughs> Uh, and, then want, and then I want to see Nicholas Petit Frere not wipe that smile off his face while Mike Vrabel frowns, and I want to see who wins. Yeah, Does Mike Vrabel smile first, or does Nicholas Petit Frere frown first? And that will decide whether or not Nicholas Petit Frere will be the starting right tackle in 2022. He does. I mean, it's just, and we're not, I am not making fun of Nicholas Petit Frere. We are on no, I love it. enthusiasm because he has the enthusiasm of a walk-on and yeah. the frame and length and skills of a five-star. And it's a wonderful package. And I think it's a, it's a really good spot for him. He's going to be in the mix, but not with a ton of pressure and have an opportunity to grow and a run first offense, man, 
Man, and again, Nathan, like seventh tackle, we talked about there were four clear tackles at the top that were first round guys. Okay, and then there's like this next tier and he went pretty high in the second tier. I think he he has to be happy. I don't think he got to the third, you know, he didn't have to wait very long in the third round, but I don't think based on the hardest thing about the draft is when you have expectations that aren't fulfilled, like Malik Willis. You thought I might go in the top 10 and he lasts till the third round. I don't think Nicholas Petit Frere was chewing his fingernails off that he didn't go in the second round because this felt like the right range. Yeah, there's definitely some plummets tonight, you know, Nicobe Dean lasting until pretty deep into the third round, things like that. Like, I don't think he was in that same headspace coming into this. I think he knew where he was. And um, it, it just it's it's I think a fun destination for him for a lot of reasons. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right, we'll take one more uh, break here on Buckeye Talk. I want to come back and sort of look at the big picture stuff. What's happening with overall draft picks? How does Ohio State shape up against other teams around the country in the draft? Next, after this. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. So one thing, guys, that I really had my eye on that I thought was going to happen did not happen. And that was I thought Georgia was going to break Ohio State's record of having 10 picks in the first three rounds of the draft. and they did not. Georgia had nine. Darion Kendrick, the corner, did not go. I'm trying to think who else did not go that maybe could have because Channing Tyndall went late. Um, there were a couple other guys. James Cook, their running back, went. George Pickens went. So I thought that would happen. Ohio State, as far as I know, they certainly set the record in 2016 when it happened. I don't think anybody broke it because even when Bama had their crazy huge draft, Last year, they only had eight in the first three rounds. So Ohio State. What did LSU have in 2019? Well, maybe LSU might have tied it with 10 that year. That's the team that tied it. Okay. But Georgia, I thought Georgia might get to 11 or 12, and they did not. That's right. I was trying to look it up because it's not something that actually other, that's just like the NFL doesn't track it. So I was like, what's the other team? I think you're right. Um, But so Georgia leads with nine picks so far in the first three rounds. Alabama had six. they had eleven. Oh, eleven in the first. Yeah, they had eleven because I think they had five in the they had five in the first round, and then eleven total oh. in the first three rounds. So I thought George was going to break the record that was already broken. Well, George still is behind okay. Ohio State on that list. Yes, so Georgia leads with nine. Bama has six. Cincinnati. How about this for Cincinnati? Five. That's five picks in the first three rounds. That's third most. So again, it's like oh boy, those little underdogs sure had a good year, and it's like. Yeah, they had five guys, and Kobe Bryant didn't get picked. Kobe Bryant could have been uh, picked in the first three rounds, and he wasn't. He'll go in the fourth, but, like, they're good. They were good. Like, it's not like we didn't know it, but it's one of those things. Still, like, there's a a group of five, and it's like they had a boatload of really good players. And then Ohio State, even though, to me, it feels like it's, it's just like an average draft for them, they're tied for the fourth most number of players taken so far that LSU, Ohio State, and Baylor each have four. So, Nathan, that to me is a little bit like even in what feels like a down year for Ohio State and the draft, they're they're right there with everybody that's not Georgia and Alabama. Yeah, and you got to remember, like, even some of the biggest stars from last year's Ohio State team were just not draft eligible. C.J. Stroud, not draft eligible. Jackson Smith the Jigba, not draft eligible. Paris Johnson, not draft eligible. Like there were, you know, guys who were expecting to be returning nucleus players for this team or not draft eligible. And then that whole defense being so young, 
Um, so it, it was kind of a transitional year for Ohio State as it pertains to the NFL draft. And you still get to have two, you know, the number 10 and 11 picks in the draft. Yeah, we're heading into day three. And I mean, there's only three other guys that we're all expecting to get drafted. And then yeah. day, like it's just it's just not a big field from Ohio State to choose from. While with Georgia, it's they've got a lot of guys in the draft that are also plummeting. So you're like, oh man, are there four or five more guys who are going to get drafted? Well, maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah. So in the Big Ten, and again, like this, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. But it's nice kind of stuff. I mean, when you win stuff like this, your your graphics department makes up a graphic about it. Ohio State four picks so far. Michigan three. Aiden Hutchinson, Daxton Hill in the first round, David Ojabo in the second round. And Ojabo very likely would have been a first-round pick if he didn't get hurt. But that's, like, really good for Michigan. This is, like, a very good Michigan draft, and they still don't have as many total guys in the first rounds as Ohio State Mm -hmm. did. Penn State, three. And that's kind of a nice thing for Penn State. Jahan Dotson went really high. And then Ardola Evacati and Jaquan Brisker, who were two really good defensive players for them, both went in the second round. And then that's those are the top three. Nebraska has two, Wisconsin has two, Purdue has two, obviously with George Karloftis and then David Bell going to the Browns, and then Minnesota, Maryland, Illinois, Iowa, and Michigan State each have one. So Nathan, again, to me, it's like, again, a reminder of not a great draft year for Ohio State compared to some best Ohio State years, but they're still leading their conference. So again, it's reflecting backward that even when Ohio State isn't at their best, they're still have more talent yeah. than everybody at just that Michigan had the elite, elite, elite talent to get it done when it mattered. Yeah. There was that uh, graphic that was put out earlier this week. I texted about it to our subscribers. I'm trying to find it now on our, on my list. I can't find it, but they just showed that gap of how the draft picks have settled out and how much, how much farther ahead of, of everybody else in that conference Ohio state is. I mean, this is, it, the results on the field and the results in the NFL draft continue to sync up as far as where the talent, the big 10 is. Yeah. Well, that's basically, I, I do. It's like Cincinnati deserves some congratulations that Cincinnati is currently leading Ohio schools on the most draft picks. This is a, yeah. this was as good as Cincinnati was going to get, but they also are building off of this. And it is really interesting to watch them. I think there was a report this week that it's going to happen all those new teams in the Big 12 are going to be in there starting in 2023. So there's going to be at least one crossover year where Cincinnati and Houston and UCF are added to the Big 12, before, but Oklahoma and Texas are still going to be there. And it might be two years of Oklahoma and Texas there. So like, it's a reminder, Cincinnati is doing this. They are, Luke Fickle is out. He's given the quotes. They're publicizing it. They're super smart about it. They're trying to get that word out. But Stephen, like, this is a really good, 12 months of Cincinnati football and it can be a building block for something. So it's, it'll be interesting to watch them. It doesn't mean they're going to beat Ohio state head to head for a bunch of guys, but Cincinnati's here. I think I I don't, I don't think Cincinnati is vanishing and it doesn't mean they're going to have five picks in the first three rounds every year, but it's a reinforcement that these guys were for real. This was not a fluke. It was not just an easy schedule. There, this was a lot of good players coming together at once. We've had this conversation before on a pod, but what this boils down to is Cincinnati picked a very good year to make the playoff, even if it didn't necessarily have a chance of putting up a fight because they were playing Bama. But they picked a very good year to make the playoff because one, there's a little bit of that 
playoff, you know, dust that you get to take into the recruiting cycle this offseason. But then also you combine that with you're going to be a power five conference. Ohio State doesn't have anything to worry about. They're one of the three best programs in the country. But Kentucky has something to worry about. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's all Cincinnati has to do. Iowa has something to worry about. Michigan yeah. State has something to worry about. Penn State might have something to worry about. Because you know who's going to go recruit off five picks in the first three rounds? Kerry Combs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you have a number four overall player being a defensive back. Like, you don't think Kerry Combs can make that work, even though he had nothing to do with it? Yeah. I think he'll make something work out of that. He's like, he said, I didn't have anything to do with this one, but – there are like but six of them the at the school yeah. up north that I did have something to do well, with. And also, you know who's recruiting off having the number four player in the draft? Perry Eliana. Perry, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. State. They he flip comes, places. Yeah. <laughs> that he, it's like Kerry Combs is saying, look, Cincinnati is the type of place where you can accomplish this and look at the players. I did it with at Ohio State. It'll all come together here. And Perry Eliano is saying, Look what I did with Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, and now I'm at a place like Ohio State where you can do it. They're given the exact same message. It's mm-hmm. just flipped. But you know what? They're both right. So it's the fight to claim Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. Is it more effective for the program they played for or for the coach they played for? Because, again, as a reminder, Perry Eliano is the safeties coach at Ohio State. He was the corners coach. At Cincinnati, he was the direct coach of Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. He did not recruit either of them, but he had him for two years. And Sauce Gardner only came, only was there for three years. And he was a three-star kid, like a skinny three-star kid out of Detroit. And he turned into this. And the guy who turned him into this was Perry Eliano because he coached him as a sophomore and a junior. And Kobe Bryant was a four-year starter at Cincinnati. If you guys didn't read, I did a big story on Kobe. He's the younger brother of Christian Bryant. Christian Bryant's one of my favorite Buckeyes that I've ever covered. Kobe, Christian had terrible injury luck. If Christian, as you guys know, doesn't get hurt in 2013, he breaks his leg against Wisconsin in the fifth game of the year. If that doesn't happen, he it blows a hole in their pass defense. Connor Cook and Michigan State take advantage of that in the Big Ten championship game. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps Ohio State from playing in the national title game against Florida State. Urban Meyer months later said, when Christian Bryan got hurt, I knew we were in trouble. I thought maybe we can't win a national title now. That's how important Christian Bryant was, both on the field as a safety who could cover and hit and as an absolute top shelf locker room leader. So he doesn't get to do that. His senior year ends with a broken leg. And he had this infection in his leg when he was a freshman and he was in the hospital. I can remember like I was talking to his dad while he was in the hospital with Christian. It was this ridiculous stuff. Christian just had the craziest career. 2010, he has an infection. 2011, Jim Tressel is gone. Luke Fickle's the interim coach. 2012, it's like, hey, it's this new guy, Urban Meyer. And 2013, he breaks his leg. Kobe's his brother, seven years younger, and Kobe makes the playoff. Kobe wins the Thorpe Award, and Kobe does everything that bad luck and life and injuries kind of prevented Christian from doing, and they're like best friends. So, like, I did a story about that, but I talked to Perry Eliano for that story because he had coached Kobe, and it's like Perry Eliano got in that room with Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant was like, you're good, let's do this. And he, like, a challenge then every day. And so it was great one of those things it's like hey guess what at ohio state you have great players you've got to bring the best out of them perry Eliano did that for two years with two guys who were as good as anybody in the country 
So this is a, um, they're both talking about it. Both Kerry Combs and Perry Aliano deserve to talk about it, both their schools and their personal successes. But Stephen, we know Perry Aliano has been out on the road. He mm-hmm. is absolutely telling sauce stories, guaranteed. Yeah, um, he picked a good time to get a, a job at a top three power five program. Um, I can't believe we didn't talk about this on yesterday's pod. Now that we're sitting here giving Cincinnati some praise here. Sauce Gardner is the same recruiting class as Garrett Wilson, which means he was on the team when Cincinnati came here and just wet oh. the bed in that 42 to nothing loss. And I was like, li- I was listening to like the Jets uh, press conference today for the first round. It's just, you know, seeing what the other guys we used to cover are doing. Um, and he brings that up. The fact that he said, if you go watch like the fourth quarter, of that blowout game, because he obviously he's not a starter because he's like a two star recruit. But there's like film of him going up against Garrett Wilson. At the oh, end of that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like there's going to be mad film of those two. Who would have thought in that game when we're sitting there writing that, hey, there's two top 10 picks out there on the field. Um, you'd, have, you'd have said that about Garrett. Like, yeah, get your first round pick. No, no, no. The guy covering him is going to go like six spots higher than him yeah. to the same one, team. One is Garrett and one is the two star that he's posterizing right now. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so that's that's some Perry Aliano work and also some Sauce Gardner work. Mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant brought out the best of each other. They challenged each other, and it was a great relationship. So uh, I thought Kobe had a chance to go in the third round. I actually, in a mock draft, had, had mocked him to the Browns at 99. Um, the Browns ended up taking a corner on Friday night, but they didn't take Kobe Bryant. So I think Kobe will be a fourth-round pick. He's a good, he's a good player, and, and he's a great locker room guy, and he'll go play special teams for you, and I think he can play multiple spots in the secondary. So he will come off the board soon. Tyreek Smith will come off the board Saturday. Thayer Munford will come off the board Saturday. And Nathan, what do you think the percent chances are that, that Haskell Garrett does get drafted? Like we all picked him in the seventh round. Not that we can tell anything like, Oh, the way defensive tackles fell, I think, but like we're anticipating, we do think Haskell Garrett will get picked. Right. But it's not maybe a guarantee. I think it's more likely. I'll say it this way. I think it's more likely that both Haskell Garrett and master T get picked than neither of them get picked. Yeah, that sounds right. Only five tackles taken so far, though. Five tackles, five defensive tackles in three rounds. And I will say, you know, there's a lot of guys that are out there in the world and you don't know everybody. Obviously, Brian Robinson, the Alabama, the giant Alabama running back got picked. There were a couple running backs that got picked that I was like, I don't know who those guys are. And whenever that happened, I'm like, well, then maybe Master Teague will get picked. So it's because it's like, well, who's Master Teague? I don't know. A guy who was once Ohio State starting running back and ran for 140 yards in a game. It's like, it's well, built, okay. It's built like, he's built like Zeus. So yeah. Like, I don't know who Rashad white of Arizona state is. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but when that black guy got picked, I was like, I'm, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't know who that is. So uh, six running backs have gone so far there. So we'll monitor that. If master Teague doesn't get picked, he'll get signed as a free agent on, on Saturday. So we will come back. We won't have a pot on Sunday though. Cause we'll let you chill out. But Stephen and I will be back on Monday for a final, final draft wrap. That'll be the Monday pod, everything that happened. And we have Nathan's going to be here because he and I pre-recorded a Tuesday pod. But also, this might be the last time that you hear the real live Nathan Baird before he has a baby. So good luck. It will be. It will be. We are finally yeah, still, like, as of as of tomorrow night. It's 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 go time. We're going in and they're starting the process. So it's no, no more of this like, well, if nothing happens, then I'll still be around. No, tomorrow night, Saturday night 
it's go time. So uh, that'll be the last pick of the draft. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to call your baby Mr. Relevant, but that's not fair. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not right. I can't say that about a baby. About a baby. <laughs> Who's not even here yet. That's, you're already Daddy. making fun of a human being that doesn't even exist yet. Mr. Daddy. Mr. Irrelevant Jr. Yeah. Why is my name Barnaby, Mr. Irrelevant Baird? It's like, well, let me tell you a story. Uh, Barnaby. Just, I always just think of it as Barnaby Baird. It's probably not going to okay. be that, but you'll surprise us. Well, well, we'll let the people know. We'll let the people know in a text and on the podcast. That I'm not sure we shouldn't have a poll. Well, now it might be too late for that. Uh, honey, I think there's another person who lives with you who would not want to go for that, but okay. <laughs> we were trying to get eight more people to subscribe to texts, and we said they could name the baby. <laughs> We we sold the naming rights to our child. Yeah. <laughs> He's already got a name image and likeness deal. It's Roosters Baird. Yeah. Subtext Baird. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that's the draft. Congratulations to Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Nicholas Petit Frere, and Jeremy Ruckert. We will be back for a final wrap on Monday. For now, good luck to Nathan Baird. For Nathan, Stephen, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>